Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church podcast. We hope this is a blessing to you. Let's jump into the sermon. Good morning. Welcome once again to worship. It is good to be together. For those of you I have not had the pleasure of meeting yet, and we're still working on a lot of it, and we're so happy there were people uh, here this morning who hadn't been back in a while with COVID, people who were new, maybe their first Sunday or their second Sunday, and it was like, we're not the only new people. That was wonderful. Uh, But again, my name is Becca. I'm one of the new co-pastors here, and we're just enjoying getting to know each of you so much. Those of you who are joining us online, again, we're just grateful to be a community of faith together. For those of you who were here last week or who caught the message online, you'll remember that I shared a somewhat uh, audacious claim. It was a, a statement by a theologian named Dallas Willard. He said that he believes that there is no problem in human life that following Jesus cannot solve. And it is in our following Jesus together That makes us the church. That's what makes us Jesus' church. We are a people who are united by a common reality that we are claimed by Jesus Christ together. The simple truth is we are better together. That's how Jesus intended his church to be. Last Sunday, as we began this kind of two-part message, we started with all about Christ, all about that reality that we are claimed by Christ. Today, we're taking it to that next step, that we are claimed by Christ together. Because the reality is, there is no being claimed by Christ without the together part. Nobody is claimed by Christ alone. Paul's pretty clear on that in his second letter to the church at Corinth. We heard this passage read last week. We're going to learn from it again this morning, and we're looking at the message version of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 14. Paul writes, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled our relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering the forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. 
God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. Last week we talked about the restorative power of being claimed by Christ. It's to that end that that Paul writes those words that anyone who is united with Christ gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, the new emerges. That is the very foundation of our faith. We are made new in Christ. We are claimed by Christ. But it doesn't end there. Paul immediately goes on. He says, all this comes from the God who settled our relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. We are claimed by Christ together. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We are going to focus on three things, three aspects on what it means to be claimed by Christ together. We're going to talk about how being claimed by Christ together is necessary, how being claimed by Christ together is hard, and how truly being claimed by Christ together is really, really good. So first, being claimed by Christ together is necessary. Christ-centered community, faith-filled relationships, whatever you want to call it, they're necessary. We cannot live the Christian life without it. The very first few pages of the Bible, the story of the very beginning of humankind's existence, this interesting thing happens. God creates Man, he he places him in this beautiful garden. He gives him meaningful, purposeful work to do, all the while proclaiming it is good, it is good, it is good. And then this interesting thing happens, kind of unexpected. All while God says, all of this is so good, all of a sudden God says, this is not good. What God says is not good is God says it is not good that man should be alone. Think about this. This is, this is before sin has inter- entered the picture. This is when everything was supposedly perfect. Even then, God said, something's not right. Something is not good. It is not good that man should be alone. We're not supposed to be alone. We need community, Christians and non-Christians alike. We were made to live in relationship with other people, but especially those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. We simply cannot do it alone. little Bible grammar lesson for you. When you read the New Testament in the Greek, which I did learn to do back in seminary but have promptly forgotten, But if you were to read the New Testament in Greek, you would see something interesting, something important. Particularly uh, when you get past the Gospels into all the the letters and instructions that are written there for Christians to follow, 
Anytime you come across an instruction, an encouragement, a command, a, a do this, a don't do this, live this way, behave this way, anytime you come across one of those passages, most of the time, those are going to be written in the second person plural. You all, y'all, right? Y'all do this. I, you know, we come from the Philadelphia area. They, they, in Philly, they use the, the, the word use. Uh, those who are from like Western PA, it's, it's yins. Uh, I asked if there's a Chicago version of this in the last service. Someone said, just use guys. Like that's, I'm never going to use that, by the way. If that word comes out of my mouth ever, you know I'm faking it. Just y'all. I'm not from the South, but I say y'all sometimes. You get the point. In the New Testament, if they were to write it in our parlance, that's what it would be. It looks like you, when you read it in English, singular, it's not. Any encouragement, command, instruction for us to follow as followers of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, by and large, they are written to you all, which means if you're trying to follow them by yourself, you're not quite getting it right. To be claimed by Christ is to be claimed by Christ together. That is just a necessary element of what it means. Being claimed by Christ together is necessary. So why do we do it more? Why do so many of us try to follow Jesus on our own? Well, that leads to the second point. It's because being claimed by Christ together, it's hard. It's hard. Last week, we looked at one of Jesus' most famous stories, the story of the prodigal son, and we, we came to understand how the boy who ran away is so much like so many of us, and how the father who saved him, it's that same father who saves us through his sacrificial love. It is a beautiful story. But it's not the whole story. See, the story starts out, Jesus says, there was a man who had two sons. Two sons who were both equally and painfully lost. The younger son, he got lost by running away. And when he comes home, his father is so happy to have his son back. He runs out, he greets him, he hugs him, he welcomes him fully and completely home. He's so happy that his son is home, he throws him a giant party. And at this party, everybody is all together. Everybody except that other son. He's outside. He's all on his own. And he's got a few reasons for it, a few reasons he, he's not coming into that party. Reasons some of us might relate to. For one thing, he, he doesn't come into that party because, well, frankly, he's busy. He is very, very busy. Jesus says that the party got started while he was still out working in the field. It was when the day's work was done that he came in. So he is coming home from a long day's work. He's looking to put his feet up, to relax, to be done with duties for the day. And now uh, he's expected to like go to a thing and be there with people. Like, I'm guessing he's an introvert a little bit. He just wants to go home and have a little bit of me time, right? Like, he's been busy. 
So he gets there, and he, 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 all these people are gathered together, and he doesn't want to go into this party. He doesn't want to be together. He is overworked. He is overtired. He is overwhelmed. He is over it. I think a lot of us can relate. We are busy people, right? That, that's what we all say, right? I think it's the, the litany of American culture. This is how the conversation's supposed to go. You run into somebody, you haven't seen them for a while, you say, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm so good, I'm really busy. How are you? Oh, yeah, me, I'm good. Busy, you know, good. Oh, great, good to see you. Like, I want you to try a social experiment with me sometime. I didn't say this to the other service, but I just want to throw it out there, make things awkward. Next time you greet somebody, don't say busy. Like, you know what? Like, I've had a lot of time to relax. Like, things are really good. Like, fine, not chill. Like, see what happens. I, I just, you know, I, I get what, we're not used to that. That's what we're supposed to say to each other is how busy and overwhelmed and just go into the next thing we are. That's, it's kind of how we measure our own self-worth. Like, if we're not busy, then what are we doing? Are we, why are we even here? We pride ourselves on being so busy, always being on the go, always being on a hurry. And, you know, there are good things we're all doing, but we need to be honest that the busyness takes a toll. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Pastor John Mark Comer writes, Corey Ten Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. There's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut us off from our connection to God, to other people, to even your very own soul. It's really hard to be claimed by Christ together when we're just so dang busy, when we don't have the time, when we don't make the time. There are other reasons why being claimed by Christ together is hard, why the older brother stayed away from his younger brother's party, and why we sometimes stay away too. See, when his older brother came home from his long day work out in the fields, he heard the music, he heard the dancing, and he asked what was going on, and one of the servants told him. He said, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast because he has him home safe and sound. And hearing this, the older brother stomped off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. The older brother refused to join the party. He didn't like what they were celebrating. They didn't like that he was celebrating their wayward, his wayward brother, and he chose to stay outside. He stayed outside because he disagreed with what was going on inside. Being claimed by Christ together can be hard because we're different. And our differences can lead us to disagree. You know, even in this one little church, this one part of the whole body of Christ, in one church, we have a lot of differences, don't we? Wouldn't you say? We're different ages, different stages of life. We've got different opinions, different preferences, different ways of approaching and going about life. We're different. And, and, and let me be clear, differences are very, very good, but left unnamed, left unchecked, those differences is what can lead to disagreement, which then can lead to division. Leads us to start creating categories and drawing lines and begin thinking in terms of us and them. 
We voted for that person. And they voted for that person? I don't know if I want to be in a church with them. We like this kind of music, and they like that kind of music, and I just, I don't know if I want to be in a church that has that kind of music. We feel so passionately about this issue, they don't get it, or gosh, they will never stop talking about that one issue, I don't get it. You know, it's just, it's just easier to be a part of a church where we all see things the same way. And it's not just in the church. It's the whole human race dividing people up into us versus them, into a we who is always right, always good, always reasonable, always faithful, and a them who is not. But in reality, it's never that simple. I remember back in seminary having a conversation with a friend, and, and this wasn't the best version of myself. I was uh, talking about a them, a specific them, who I found very, very irritating, very frustrating, and I was venting, ranting to this friend about him, about how annoying he was, how irritating, how opinionated, how just very them-y he was. And she listened to me for a while, and then she responded very graciously, very non-judgmentally, but very truthfully, and just said, you know, you know what I think is great? Isn't it great that we are all a them to somebody? In that moment, I did not think that was great. I was like, no, I don't, that, no. Like, but it's so true. Like, we are all a them to somebody. None of us have any foot to stand on we, when we are ussing and theming, because deep down we are all of them to somebody. We are all the same. So that's why Paul said what he said. He said, one man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. The God who settled the relationship between us and him then called us to settle all relationships with each other. God uses men and women to drop their differences, to enter into God's work of making things right between them. Here's the uh, Becca revised version of what Paul just said. What holds us together is stronger than anything that would keep us apart. What holds us together is stronger than anything that could keep us apart. For the thing that holds us together is nothing less than the sacrificial death of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He died for everyone. He died for you. He died for me. He died for us. So you better believe he died for them. And that means there is no more us and them. Because of Jesus, there is no more us and them. Because of Jesus, we are all us. So I want to ask for a little audience participation. Wake up here a little bit to cement this in our brains just a little bit to make it really clear, to make you maybe a little uncomfortable. I'm going to ask for a little help, a little call and response, right? Often we do this in liturgical services where the leader says one thing, the people say something back. I believe we can do this in contemporary services too. I believe in you. 
In just a second here, I'm going to say a few things, a few of the ways that we sometimes us and them ourselves. And every time I say one of those things, you are going to respond back to me. We are claimed by Christ together. All right? So we're going to practice saying it all together. It's up there on the screen. We are claimed by Christ together. And I want you to say it like you mean it, all right? Argue with me a little bit. (laughs) Respond to me because this is true. No matter if you are young or if you are old, we are claimed by Christ together. No matter your gender or your sexuality, your nationality or your ethnicity, we are claimed by Christ together. No matter who you voted for or which political party you affiliate with, we are claimed by Christ together. No matter what you posted or liked or shared on social media, We are claimed by Christ together. No matter what kind of music you do or do not like, we are claimed by Christ together. No matter whether you really enjoy it or really are annoyed by it when your pastor asks you to do call and response things in church, (laughs) we are claimed by Christ together, even when it's hard. We are claimed by Christ together, especially when it's hard. We are claimed by Christ together. Friends, we are claimed by Christ together. We are claimed by Christ together because it's necessary. We are claimed by Christ together when it's hard. And we are claimed by Christ together because it is so very, very good. Now, I'm going to show my generation here a little bit what I grew up watching on PBS. Uh, And so I'm going to see if there's any of y'all with me, if you watched this with me, or maybe you watched it with your kids, either way. Who watched uh, Reading Rainbow with LeVar Burton? You got my people? All right, or with your kids? Yes. So I don't know why this... I remember this particular part of it, but I do. LeVar Burton would, you know, read the books, share the stories, whatever. And at the end, he always finished with this one line. He would show the book and he'd say, but you don't have to take my word for it. Right? And then they would have a bunch of kids say what they actually thought of the book. Right? Here's the point. I'm up here telling you, I'm the pastor, right? I'm supposed to think this. I, I you know, went to Jesus school, whatever. I'm supposed to think that being claimed by Christ together is really, really good. But I'm telling you now, you don't have to take my word for it. This week I texted and emailed a few of y'all to get your perspectives on what it has meant to you to be a part of Christian community, to be connected, particularly through the ministry of being in a small group. And so I'm telling you now, being claimed by Christ together is really, really good. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can listen to Jess Hild. He said, participating in a Knox small group has been so rewarding. What I find most wonderful is having others in our group provide their perspective on what we're studying by sharing their own life stories. I always gain a perspective on our study that broadens and deepens my understanding of what's being taught. You can listen to Brian and Renee Hicks. They say our small group has been through a lot over the years. From the birth of a new child, middle school drama, graduations from high school, layoffs from jobs, discussions about our aging parents to the loss of a parent. We have shared many joys and sorrows together. We can always count on each other for support, encouragement, and prayer. For us, small group means family. 
Listen to Jane Berkelman. She says, being a part of a small group at Knox has helped me confidently know Christ and know myself as a beloved child of God. It has been a precious blessing to have my small group walk beside me through life's challenges. Jennifer, Jennifer Volbrecht. I had never considered being in a small group before coming to Knox almost 15 years ago. I remember being wowed by the women on Wednesday who made a weekly commitment to study God's word and share in Christian community. Over time, I developed lasting friendships and prayer partners who inspired and influenced my faith journey. Now, I consider myself a groupie as I attend three different small groups. Knox is so much more than my church. The people are my family. Kedra Smith. Each of the different small groups I've participated in over the years were exactly what I needed at the time and brought me something new to my spiritual walk. What they all had in common was that connection with others, and God was in the center of it all. Being in community this way allows for deeper relationships and learning different insights into what others are experiencing in their faith walk. I'm so blessed to have all these people in my life, and I look forward to what God has in store for the future. And finally, Josh Weir says, small group has made a huge impact on my life. We are present to and invested in each other, and we share the good and bad in life. We learn and grow spiritually, and we make a point to encourage one another. To steal a lyric from Zach Williams, in my small group, we encourage each other to be a little more like Jesus and a little less like me. Friends, it really is good to be claimed by Christ together. And we want as many of you to be doing that very thing as possible. As Darren shared earlier, our small groups are getting started up for the fall, and it is not too late to join one. There are old groups who are inviting new people in. There are new groups who are just getting started. There is a group for you to join. So we hope you will. I'll close with this. One final reason that older brother was still hanging out outside his younger brother's party. And it's simply that nobody invited him. Right at the end of the story, the father goes out, but until then, he's hanging out outside and everybody's having a good time and nobody thought to go out and say, just come on in. My sense is that there's probably a number of people here in this church and certainly in the surrounding community who would come inside, who would say yes to being claimed by Christ together if only somebody would go outside to them and invite them in. So, if you are in, if you are in a small group and you are loving the life of being claimed by Christ together, please just Keep your eye out. Keep your heart open for somebody who's not. And make the choice, take the risk to invite them in to join you. And if you're not in yet, if you haven't said yes yet, you're standing on the edge, you're thinking about it, you're not sure you're, you're ready to step in, maybe you need that little nudge, consider yourself nudged. This is your invitation. You are invited. You are invited to the party. 
you are invited to be claimed by Christ together. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information on how to get connected here at Knox, please visit knoxprez.org.